Welcome to Local Exposure, a podcast about music and the greater Cincinnati scene. I'm Jim Nolan. Thanks for listening. The poet Francis Dugan called death the great equalizer. No matter who you are, where you come from, or what you believe, all of us will one day leave this existence. Mike Oberst, one of the founding members of The Tillers, has released an 11-track solo album titled Six Feet of Earth that examines this reality. By combining traditional American and European folk songs with two original compositions and an extraordinary Carole King cover, Mike explores themes that transcend our differences and finds those common bonds that define us all ultimately as human beings. So, Mike Obers, thanks for coming in, and thank you for making this beautiful, beautiful record. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jim. Uh, Six Feet of Earth is the name of it, and in reading the paperwork that, that came with the album, it sounds like you have assumed this sort of, I don't know, cultural role of the uh, the keeper of these songs, the keeper of these <laughs> stories. Um, tell me a bit about, about that mentality. Uh, well, I think uh, my my friend Pete, who wrote the, um, what do you call those, press release? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he talked me up quite a bit more than that I'd be comfortable with <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess he did a good job, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, made me very interested. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I, I uh, am lucky to be um, part of the folk music community here in Cincinnati and and uh, and that's a great role to have. <laughs> What's well, interesting uh, the, is you, you didn't always have a folk music background. Your background's in punk rock. Yeah, yeah, it is very much so. What, what kind of punk rock bands did you grow up on? Gosh, there's so many. Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, some of my favorites are like uh, the Swingin' Utters, uh, Johnny Bonnell, uh, the lead singer of The Swing and Others, yeah. actually designed the artwork I in this album. I saw that story. I think you posted it online, uh, and I thought, that's a really fascinating story. Go, yeah. Just go ahead and jump to that. Tell we'll me talk, about that story about Johnny Bonnell. There's so many punk bands, though. We should, that's, we sh- I should come back and we'll do a show about that. Okay. R- Ramones, Addicts, The Clash, you know, uh, Stiff Little Fingers, so many. Yeah. But yeah, The Swing and Others have been a, a favorite of mine. You know, since I was a kid, I saw them, I think I was like 15 when I first saw them with Social Distortion, and uh, they had a big impact on me. Years down the line, I wanted to buy an art print uh, because I found that uh, the that Johnny, the lead singer, ha- had been um, also doing all of the art for all these albums of theirs that I'd loved for so long. And I, th- I I thought you know maybe he's got some stuff out there that's that might be for sale. How cool would that be to have? And so I tracked down his um, email address and sent him a message. It was probably very much fanboyish and <laughs> and uh, yeah. everything, but he he actually wrote me back. He wasn't a rock star about it, you know. He. he he was flattered that I wanted to, to get some of his art. We started talking, and now a couple of years after that conversation, we finally got to work together and 
that is do so the cool. artwork for this for this album. That is amazing. Okay, so I'm trying to put the timeline together here. You were born, I think, on the west side. I was. Okay. Grew up on punk rock. And then at some point, you were involved with the Cincinnati Caledonian Bagpipe and Drum Corps? <laughs> it, yes. It's a tough uh, musical timeline to follow, it I is. think. It is. It sounds like it is. But obviously, this had a humongous influence. Yeah. Yeah. I've played a lot of different instruments, you know, through my 37 years. I started on Suzuki piano and did that until I was 12. I started that when I was four and and then guitar, drums, bass, you know, instruments that my dad uh, taught me and and uh, my mother played lap dulcimer and there was always music in my life. My dad's side of the family, there's always singing, or someone's playing piano just all the time. My dad used to talk about growing up on on the farm that he he grew up on in western Indiana and that um, he knew he and his sisters always knew they could get out of chores if they started to play piano and sing and and uh, yeah I think that was kind of how it was in my my house too <laughs> but when I was about um, 16 uh, my mother took me to an Irish Cayley and that's where I first heard the Highland bagpipes and snare drum uh, you know regimental style pipe and drum corps and I joined that band the next week moved me what did uh, you play well the pamphlet at the Cayley said drummers wanted and it, it had this ancient uh, photo of of these snare drumming they looked like kids in the in the uh, you know British army uh, and um, I saw said well you know I play some drum set and uh, so maybe that's my ticket into the band, and and I wanted to be a piper in the band originally, but mm. it's kind of like once you're in with your you know with your crew as a snare drummer in the pipe and drum corps, you're, <laughs> you're there you that's where your you know loyalties lie. <laughs> okay. And so um, I was very proud to uh, be a snare drummer in that band, and we we went all over uh, and would do competitions and. Uh, Highland Games, and and it was like the first organized thing I ever did. <laughs> Is there a big Celtic uh, influence in your family? Um, n- no, not so much. Uh, my mother's family is very Dutch, and they come from upstate New York. And but b- between my mother and I, you know, that was kind of where it came in quite a bit. You know, when I started playing with the pipe and drum corps, my mom finally got to de- be a Something mom. A band mom? You know, and she yeah, was like yeah. a, she was a, a pipe, pipe band mom, you know? <laughs> she yeah, was real yeah. proud to get to sure. go around and go to the competitions and, and things like that and go to, you know, just be supportive. She, she was a good mom. And so she and I kind of enjoyed that music together. We ended up going on a trip together to Ireland and Scotland in 2001. And... um you know, it's just something in our lives that we, um, you know, that we loved together, and and I've never stopped loving the music from over there. And this is your second solo release. Uh, how long have you been compiling this collection of music for this particular album? Um, I I guess some of the tracks I've 
known for quite a long time, you know. Who, like when did you know that you, when did you know that you're going to make this second album? I definitely knew this right about this time last year. I was going through a tough time. I think uh, one of my best friends had been told that he had uh, hardly any time left. He had been struggling with uh, brain cancer for a while. And um, I don't know, it was a really sad time last year. Right now, right about now in the year, you know, it was getting cold. And and I, I feel like I was in sort of a very much uh, bad state. I was very worried uh, for him and it's hard to see. It's hard. It's just hard to know that, you know, this person your 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 friend is only going to be here so much longer and uh the only thing i could think of was some sort of um therapy <laughs> and one thing that you know obviously as a musician one thing that always helps me is the music so i had a general idea of creating an album where i fused some uh, sounds that I loved uh, from uh, Appalachian folk music and sort of the tiller side of things and some of the music that I hadn't gotten to play so much of uh, the uh, Celtic music, the Irish and Scottish um, traditional music and so that was my original idea to take some time and make a, a trad album and just breathe some new life into some old songs and have a bit of a therapy session in the studio and that's that's what happened you were talking about being in ireland in 2001 actually um strangely enough i was in ireland in 2001 uh just about august late july august and i want to play a song from this new album six feet of earth and the song i want to listen to is called the derby ram and the reason i want to listen to that one is because it talks about Market Day and the Derby, and we were in Galway just after Market Day, and it's definitely uh, an event that <laughs> the entire city shuts down for. So it's uh, it's a wonderful, beautiful piece of music. Uh, features some Illin pipes. Mm-hmm. Is it that definite Irish uh, feel? And then at the end of the song, it breaks into this wonderful uh, reel. I guess you call it. Yeah, this one is this one. I heard from the Casoy Sisters. Uh, from New York, they they did such a a great version of of this one. I think they recorded it in the '60s. But yeah, this is an old English uh, folk tale of a giant ram that finally met its demise. But uh, yeah. you'll hear, you know, it's a tall tale for sure. Well, this is the Derby Ram from the album Six Feet of Earth by Mike Oberst. Yeah. 
like I said before, it, it really is a tremendously beautiful collection of music that you've put together. Two things that really stand out in my mind. One is that the album opens and closes with two songs that are very much almost like a droning funeral dirge, definitely heartbreaking uh, stories. Uh, one called Who Killed Poor Robin, and the, it closes with a song called Willie Dear. But the other thing, the very first thing you hear when you play the album is uh, some squeaks and clicks and a fire roaring in the background. It's very much of a, uh, a voyeuristic kind of experience. The reason why I wanted to release this album right now, this time of year, I was you know, very much inspired this time last year, and I just wanted the same feeling. Uh, for the listeners, I guess, this was a cold weather project. So those squeaks and ticks and things in the beginning, that's my that's a wood stove in my house. I took a recording of that. You can hear the cuckoo clock ticking in the background. It was a snowy night that night when I took that field recording. Well, it gives the whole album a, a overall sense of intimacy, like uh, we're in the room with you. Um, and speaking of being in the room, this was all recorded at Candyland? It was, yes. Tell yeah. me about uh, recording with Mike. <laughs> Mike's the man. Yeah. Man. Mike is so patient. You know, I told I had told Mike, because you know, we recorded the Tillers' last album in, at Candyland, and we made such good friends, uh, us and Mike. And so Mike also helped me with some things in producing uh, some audio bits for a children's book I'm going to be releasing soon. Uh, different story. So he and I worked together a little bit after the Tillers' most recent project. And then I came to him in uh, last fall and said, this winter, you know, let's uh, do something together. You know, it'll probably just take a month. Just, just want to come in and knock out some some tracks and uh that is not yeah it did not take a month I was gonna say, how it many took about later? six months yeah. and we were um we were still we were finishing it all up uh six months later but mike is so patient man it, mike's just brilliant you know he he doesn't have it's like he doesn't have an ego yeah, which is something that ken haynes and i talked we were just talking about it recently but he we we got to also become such great friends too through the process, and uh, now I can't think of anybody that I really honestly would have wanted this project to be done with. And he's like you said, he has so, such little ego, but he also has so much talent that when he suggests something, you consider it at least. Yeah, he suggested to me during the recording of. Darby Ram that we that I just clink around on this glass jar with a spoon in it because <laughs> I told him I you know, want to create the vibe that it's this kind of loosish band playing you know maybe after hours somewhere together and it's just r real ruckus and and he said okay and how about this? You know, try this. I'm like, what? A jar with a spoon? <laughs> but it brings the sound out of the studio and into yeah. a listening environment. Yeah, I mean, he made it real. Yeah. So, yeah, he is he is talented man. Mike, thank you. <laughs>
Whose idea was it to bring in some of these tremendous guest musicians that you have on the album? Well, I don't think I could ever make like a truly solo album. <laughs> yeah. I, I always have to have the friends. Uh, it's so much uh, better, uh, more joyous process to be in the studio making music with others. Kate Wakefield, I, I met Kate before this album uh, and knew that she was a fantastic cellist. I saw her perform at the CEAs last year. And when Mike and I were working on one of the tracks, I, I just knew I wanted cello on it. He said, let me call Kate up. She came right in, knocked it out. Perfect. And I'm going to say it one more time because I've said it this whole time is that my running thing throughout the album, my running saying was, Kate makes it great because I would think, oh, I need cello on this one too. I just need it. Kate comes in and just knocks it out and brought all the feeling that I was hoping for. Tim Britton plays the Ellen Pipes on here on two tracks. He is a phenomenal piper, uh, kind of friend of a friend sort of thing. I called on him. I'd uh, never met him before, and he was really into the tracks when I sent them to him. Um, I was curious about that one because he's not local. No, he's in Iowa. He also is a bagpipe maker. Mm. He's a tremendously skilled individual and uh, beautiful a player. Did he come um, in town to record? No. So he I recorded sent him the tracks. And same thing with him. It was like a one-take sort of thing. Uh, Patty Walker, I've known her for so long. She's a local permaculturalist and Hammerdalsmer player. She's brilliant. We've gotten to play so many shows together, especially at Eli's Barbecue. <laughs> and uh, I was really lucky to have her on Flowers of Edinburgh. Maria Corelli. Monster guitar player, singer, songwriter. I think we all know Maria by now. If you don't, you should. <laughs> um, and our track, Maria and I, we did uh, the Rebel Girl, the, mm -hmm. the Joe Hill uh, song with Gene Dowell, uh, my friend Gene, um, who is a wonderful songwriter, originally from um, Union Grove, North Carolina. She and I um, worked a few years ago to put out an album of a lot of her original songs. Actually, not even a lot of them. It's only <laughs> tapping the surface yeah. uh, she's been writing for so long. Um, I had to have Gene there. Gene's like, besides Sean, Gene's my other singing partner. And last but not least, oh, no, 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 Tyler Randall. We can't forget Tyler. Yeah. Dog Yop. He and I had played this tune that's on the album, uh, Frosty Morn, a lot together when we would do some Eli shows together. Okay. He, I guess, had heard it on the Tillers live album and was inspired uh, by that, apparently, and learned the tune there. His inclusion brings a whole different dimension to that song. Totally. Yeah. So much fun to listen to. Yeah. What, the first time we played that song together or we were at Eli's doing a show and he said oh let's play Frosty Moore and I'm like you know that tune you know <laughs> and he pulled it out and we were kind of weaving together the banjo and the sitar and, and we, we were just all smiles afterwards because it was like wow that worked so well yeah these two instruments from totally do I was going to say totally opposite sides of the world uh, the banjo does have origins in Africa so 
geographically not too yeah. far apart, but but sonically, but it's not something you hear a lot of. No, but, no. But they just weaved together so well the instruments. So I put the percussion on that one, tried to uh, broaden it up like that. But um, but we gotta we gotta get to Clyde Brown and mention Clyde. Yeah. Um, he and I did the. Uh, the uh, track uh, up on the roof. Yeah, maybe. you're pulling out a Carol King song in this collection of of. <laughs> it's a bit odd with the rest of the songs. Yeah, I so had some weird. trouble with that. I thought, is this for a different album? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I met Clyde just a few years ago, and uh, he is such a bright. And wonderful, positive force, you know. He's got the biggest smile. He just, he's so welcoming and, and inviting. It's like the places he's been in this world, you know, and uh, the stages he's played on and the, the times he's lived through. I don't know if you got to hear his Hero Radio podcast recently, that Melodic Connections put out. Mm. It's, it's wonderful. Everybody should go listen to that, too, after you listen to this. But Clyde, let me rewind, I guess. The song that we did, Up on the Roof, is one that I had heard since I was a kid, uh, you know, the the Drifters' iconic version of the mm-hmm. song. And it was just one of those songs that, like, would take me to a different place, like a good song should. But it stuck with me, and, you know, even to the point where I've found notebooks. I live in the house that I grew up in. And, and um, I found notebooks, you know, in the storage room that have a scribble in them that says, up on the roof, drifters. You know, it's just like this thing that I didn't want to forget this. I didn't want to forget that song. So when I met Clyde, it's like that song popped back into my head. Wait, this guy was a drifter? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And he was. Um, and... uh I guess he still is. Well, well, he definitely still is. He's doing a tour. He's doing a Drifters tour in the UK next year, I think. So it was just this idea, like, well, maybe Clyde, just maybe, yeah, he would want to record that song with me. And um, so what an honor to get to do that. And like you said, this is a song that I've known for 50 years. But I listen to this version, and it's like hearing it for the first time all over again. It's brand new, but at the same time, it feels familiar. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I just wanted to have a really stripped-down version of it and shine a light on Clyde's singing and just our harmonizing together. Uh, Clyde's voice is so, oh, it's so, it's so, it's so soulful, and it's, it was a dream to get to to do that together and have Kate on it too yeah Kate makes it great Kate makes it great the album Six Feet of Earth is described as a collection of both death songs and work songs what do you consider a work song oh well I guess there's lots of work songs a good work song to me would be a song that uh, kind of has this percussive uh, beat with the rhythm of work you know yeah, like a chain gang on the side uh, of the road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I guess in this album, some of the work songs would definitely be School Days Over, which is um, an English song about um, child labor, children having to leave school and go into the mines. 
uh, to work. But at the same time, it's a song about your childhood's now over. It is. You're yeah. you're an adult now. You know you've mm-hmm. reached this age where you need to go into go down into the mines and start earning a living. Yeah, yeah. And it's I mean it's sad. It is. It's, it's damn sad. It's very sad. It's, you know, when I was uh, working on this recording and and listening to a lot of the takes and things in the car, I I have a four year old, uh, and. You know, he got to hear all of this every step of the way, but it's it's much more sad to hear a four-year-old singing the song when you get home while he's getting dressed and into his pajamas at night. <laughs> it's a really sad song. I kind of want to uh, hear it sung in his in his four-year-old voice. I right, it'd be a wonderful like B-side somewhere. I should have taken uh, field, re- you know, like recording around the house of that and put it into the album. Yeah. The death songs, though, did you ask about that? Well, um, why are there so many death songs on this album? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, It's Um, it's a legitimate question. I uh, mean, everything from from the Derby Ram, where you talk about the the slaughtering. I know. To who killed poor Robin and and six feet of earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there is there is a repetitive uh, death theme here, I guess. it, it it wasn't all completely intentional. I did. I have uh, faced a lot. I've I've definitely faced a lot of death in my life. Um, you know, from an early age on to now. You know, and it. I think that uh, you know a lot of what I was searching for on this album was not um, to to make an album of death songs, <laughs> but to to go after so many of these stories and the I love story songs. I love old ballads. I love the mystery of not knowing who it was who penned this brilliant song and so to me this album was more so about the stories and and yeah, a lot of them are darker, but um I guess that's what I like. <laughs> One name that we failed to mention when we were talking about some of the local artists involved in the creation of this album is Mark Utley. Yeah, Mark Utley. He he did the packaging design. He put everything where it should be and made the colors vibrant and and uh, made it made it look good. He did a great job. I I love Mark. He and I have been friends for man years now. Years since the Tillers and Magnolia Mountain kind of started around the same time, mm-hmm. 2007. Uh, Mark has helped me with like every project that I've ever done. And I have to mention the photographer, um, Rachel Banks, who took the photo that's on the back. She's a local Kentucky uh, photographer. Um, she's a brilliant artist too. Yeah, so what happens now? Do you Are you gonna tour to support this album? Well, yeah, uh, the Tillers are going to go to the UK in November for 12 days, 12 shows. And then when we get back, it'll be the holidays. And so in January, once that calms down a little bit, I'm going to take the month and uh, go play some shows around regionally, Indy and Louisville and Nashville. And Now, are you going uh, by yourself or are you going to bring some of your friends along? I want to bring some friends. Kate Wakefield might do some of them, and and that's going to be fantastic. So I just got to wrangle some 
other friends too. And Gene Dow might do one as well in Nashville. Getting it together. I do. I have a website. It's mikeoberst.com. It's for some of these solo endeavors, and I'll have all the dates up there soon. All right, so as we leave, what song from the new album would you like to listen to? Let's listen to... Should we do an upbeat one or like a... It's totally up to you. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's do North Country. Tell me a bit about the song North Country. This is one of the few Mike Ober's original songs on the album. It is, yeah. Um, there are two on here, yeah, and this is this is the other one besides Willie Deer. North Country is really a song about my family in New York and and some of their traditions and and the relationship with the land and farming and some of the old ways uh and people have said that it feels like a like it is a traditional that the guy Mike who was writing uh review of the album for me at Folk Radio UK, um, he sent me an email and said, I can't find any information on this traditional song, North Country. I said, well, that's because I wrote it. You know, and that, uh, to me, that, that, that's pretty 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 neat that, I, I, that people sometimes feel like an original that I've, I've penned is, is some ancient song. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, it it is a it's a song about family and so North Country. Well, this is the song North Country from the album Six Feet of Earth by Mike Oberst. Mike, thank you very much for being in here today. Thank you. This Jim. has been great.
so is life in the north country. My thanks to Mike Oberst for coming by to talk about his new solo album, Six Feet of Earth. The album is available now from his website or at any of his upcoming live shows. For links to both of those and much more, you can visit our cozy little home, wvxu.org lx. Local Exposure is a production of Cincinnati Public Radio and 91.7 WVXU. This episode was recorded and produced by me, Jim Nolan. The theme music for this episode is by Scott Holmes and comes from the Free Music Archive. Find out more at freemusicarchive.com. Until next time.